This show is sponsored by the Bitbox O2 by Shift Crypto. If you're new to Bitcoin, you need to be taking self-custody of your coins. Full stop. Do not leave that shit on exchanges. That's not how you Bitcoin. The Bitbox O2 is a really easy way to get familiar with self-custody. The user interface is great. It's a very simple device to use. So again, if you're new to the game, this is a great first step at taking self-custody. Of course, if you've been in the game for a while and you're improving your self-custody solution, then it's a great option to have in the mix. Uh, for example, if you're using multi-signature signature solutions and you want to use a couple different hard, uh, hardware devices, it has a lot of great features that allows you to do that. Um, and it's just a great product. I've really been enjoying using it. So if you'd like to learn more about it uh, and potentially pick one up, Go to shiftcrypto.ch forward slash rapid fire for 5% off. Also, this show is sponsored by the amazing people over at Bull Bitcoin. If you're buying Bitcoin in Canada, doing so with Bull Bitcoin is absolutely the most private way to do so. It's a non custodial exchange, which means they don't hold on to Bitcoin, they don't hold on to your Bitcoin. You provide them with an address to go right to self custody after you make your purchase, which is not a common feature uh, in the Bitcoin exchange market, but definitely one that I think serves uh, the customer and the buyer the best. In this way, you don't risk leaving your coins on exchange. Remember, not your keys, not your coins for them to be lost or stolen or otherwise mistreated. Right. You get to take them into your self custody right away. And that's the best way to do it. This is the type of company that really thinks about what's best for its customers and tries to provide it in a very easy and convenient way for them. So if you'd like to learn more, go to bullbitcoin.com and check them out. Finally, this show is sponsored by the Bitcoin 2022 conference by Bitcoin Magazine. If you were at the 2021 conference, you know how incredible it was. And I probably don't have to sell you on how awesome 2022 is going to be. I had a phenomenal time. It was the first uh, chance I got to meet a lot of the people that I'd been interacting with on the show and on Twitter over the preceding 18 months or so, and uh, or maybe a bit longer, actually. And it was incredible. You know, lots of hugs, lots of hanging out, uh, lots of just connecting with other people that understand what's going on here and are part of this revolution and, and building relationships with those people. And then there was all sorts of great speakers, great satellite events a ton of dinners and parties and so many options to just hang out and talk and and uh, you know have a good time with uh, with other bitcoiners so it it looks like this uh, next year's event it's happening in april it's going to be enormous i think their capacity is 35,000 people and for the one in 2021 it was 13,000 people so Clearly, they're going bigger and they're expecting, uh, you know, a bigger crowd. It's right on Miami Beach this time at the Miami, Miami Beach Convention Center. It's going to be lit uh, and I'm definitely going to be there. So if you want to get tickets, there's a number, there's a bunch of different tiers. Um, but at checkout, whichever ticket you ultimately choose, put the code rapid fire, all one word, and you'll get 10% off. Let's do it. All right, we're live. Olivier. The Canadian gangster Oban, am I pronouncing that correctly? Well, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Actually, Olivier, when you said Olivier, it's, uh, it's really, really good. <laughs> Normally, people that speak English have a lot of trouble with my uh, my first name. Uh, right. But well, yeah, like that's it. my name. 
I like the nickname, the Canadian gangster. There's not too many. It doesn't uh, seem like there's too many gangsters up in Canada these days that are willing to uh, uh, stand up for things, you know. So it's good to know there's still a couple. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, th this nickname it's uh, it's a uh, Jerogan actually who, uh, who give it to me. Oh really? Uh, yeah, like a couple of years ago. It's uh, I was uh, fighting on the card uh, with Habib and uh, Conor, uh, when Conor McGregor, you know, he threw like. Uh, fucking uh, chair at the a window of the bus or something like this mm -hmm. and um, everybody on like uh, twitter mma twitter was like going crazy and uh, uh, conor mcgregor was going crazy the diaz brother were going crazy uh, habib was uh, going crazy and me i was getting a massage when that happened <laughs> and when i got out of the the massage room um all the Russian that came for the fight stormed the, the hotel. So <laughs> I was in the hotel. I was like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, how come the, there's like a thousand Russian like ready to fight? And um, like so, so, some guy told me like, yeah, like Conor McGregor threw, uh, uh, I think it was a boogie at the, at the, at the, uh, at the bus. And, remember, then, yeah. uh, and then the Russian are waiting for him to kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> so then I, I did like a, a post on Twitter saying that um, um, the Russian have uh, Habib as a gangster, Colonel McGregor, uh, the Ireland have uh, Colonel McGregor, the, the US have the, the Dias brother. And I, I said, don't worry, fam, uh, <laughs> Canadian have me. <laughs> but like it's, it's, I mean, it's all a, a fucking joke. And I receive a lot of hate for that. Uh, for that telling me that i'm not a real gangster i was like no shit man <laughs> <laughs> that's the internet man that's the internet yeah. so Ro rogan picked it up and and he repeated it is that what happened well i won the fight on that weekend uh uh like maybe in a minute and i i did like a little uh, uh like i like to do you know uh, uh, fucking fuck around and I said, like, yeah, that's how the gangster win and thing like this uh, after the fight, the post uh, interview. And they said, yeah, okay, the Canadian gangster. Uh, me. And then uh, like I left and the the, the name uh, like stayed with me. And nice. that's how uh, I changed my name. Before that, I was the Quebec kid. A little bit less intimidating. A little bit less of a <laughs> ring to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, that's awesome, man. So for just for some people that may not be you know familiar with you or your story you know do you want to just give us uh, like a little bit of the background you know obviously well actually it'd be interesting to know how you got into martial arts in the first place and then the ufc career now the pfl career you're on a two-fight win streak things that seem to be going well sponsored by bull bitcoin so you're in the bitcoin mm -hmm. family now so you know i know that's a, probably a long story but why, why don't you hit me with the the coles notes version so, um, yeah, I started judo when I was, I think, 13. I did judo for um, maybe until uh, 20 years old, you know. Uh, I was in the, I was going to school and then doing judo every day. I don't know how you call it in English. It's uh, in French, it's uh, sportitude. Uh, so it's really like you study, you do uh, the sport that you like every day. So I was training every day to, uh, for judo. And I became actually a, a national champion. Uh, and then um, I saw George Champier. Uh, I don't know why I did. I said George Champier, like I, I'm an English uh, person, but uh, I saw George Champier and uh, fight on the TV. And uh, 
I was like, holy shit, that's really, really cool. And that's why I like to do, you know, I, I like how free they were. Um, in judo, you have a lot of rule, which is, it's, it's okay. But for myself, I was like, no, I, I want to explore a new thing. I want to do uh, all the martial art. And um, uh, for some people that follow judo, they're going to know the name. But I was talking every day to Nicola Gill. Uh, he did, uh, I think, a bronze medal uh, in the Olympics like a couple, well, 10 years ago, maybe more than that. And I was talking uh, MMA with him every day, and we were really interested because it was a new sport, you know. And he told me at some point, like, oh, I give you one year or two, and uh, and you're gonna be, uh, you're gonna change sport. And <laughs> he was right. <laughs> <laughs> one years after that, I, I changed sport. I did uh, MMA. I tried MMA. And then after that, I did, I think, uh, four amateur fight, uh, which I won. I did four pro fight. And that had my, after four pro fight, I was lucky enough uh, to do the, the ultimate fighter, the, the TV show. Uh, so I did a TV show. It was Canada against Australia. Um, and uh, so, so I, part I participate on, on that TV show. Went to the final against my fellow Canadian, uh, Chad Laprise. Chad Laprise kicked my ass in the final, uh, but then I was in the UFC. So um, uh, I, think, I think I did like maybe 11 or 12 fights in the UFC. Um, and uh, maybe two years ago before COVID, I, I, uh, I signed with uh, PFL, which is a new organization. Um, and uh, this organization, what is special, it's like a tournament. Uh, so it's a little bit like, like hockey, you know, there's this, the regular season and then there's the tournament. Mm -hmm. So you have to, to do some points in the regular season. And then if you do enough points, you can do the tournament. Um, so it's really special. And the, the winner, it's, a, it's like, it's really like, old school the winner of the tournament win a million bucks so a million dollars it's which is pretty good when you think that in the ufc there's not a lot of fighter who's gonna make a million dollars a year no. so so um that's it so i went to the pfl and the other thing that where uh, that's different it's um in in the ufc you cannot have sponsors uh, so you're not allowed to have any sponsors uh, which is a uh, it was a big controversy, but then it's just fade out. But um, now in PFL, we are allowed to have uh, uh, sponsors. Uh, so uh, that's why I am right now. And that's why uh, I was allowed to have uh, Bull Bitcoin as a, as a sponsor. This year, I didn't do the tournament. Um, uh, so normally, when you do the tournament, you, you have two fights. And uh, the, the people in the category that have the most points can do the tournament. I think they take uh, four people. The thing is, I got hurt the first fight, um, and I didn't do the first fight. Uh, the first fight, so I just had one fight to do to try to do the tournament. Uh, so I won the the second fight, but unfortunately, they took uh, they took uh, one point from me since I didn't fight the first time. And uh, I was not able to do the tournament, but I was able to be an alternate uh, in, the, in the last event. So, uh, I've, yeah, this year I fought twice. But so what does that mean now that you've, you've got two wins, but you're still not in the tournament? Is that how it works? 
Yeah, so right now the next event with PFL, it's uh, it's the final. So it's already in, at the final right now. So uh, I fought, uh, I think, three weeks ago, mm. and it was the beginning of the tournament. So if someone got hurt during uh, that week or didn't make weight, they would have called me to uh, to take uh, like his place to do the tournament. Everybody made weight. Everybody, nobody got hurt. So I just fought normally. So now I have to wait for next year, next tournament, uh, to fight again, and like let's hope I don't I don't get hurt this time. Right. So you don't have a fight scheduled for next year yet? No, I'm probably like in vacation for six months right now. Well, you can heal up and and train, and I guess it's good from that perspective. But obviously, not getting a paycheck, which is not the best. But what take take me back to the very first fight, right? So. You know, you train in judo, you're dedicated to that, you know, it's it's part of your lifestyle and you you do well on in the competition uh, circuit. You get inspired by these conversations and by GSP to get into MMA. You know, one of the, one of the things that I find so interesting about fighting is like it's so honest, right? Two two people go into a cage and you you're you bring everything you have. You bring your skill, your technique, your psychology, your ability to remain calm, your your toughness, your heart, like it all, it's just a crucible for all those things. And someone wins and someone loses. I mean, it's just pure realness, you know, and that's, that's what I love. And I think, you know, at least from my perspective, one of the major themes of my life is just like truth and clarity. Like that's a, one of the things that I, I seek, you know, I seek out and fighting, I think is a, a representation of that, not dissimilar to Bitcoin. And I'm just wondering for you, like, what was it like the first time stepping in that environment and probably experiencing yourself in a different way than you ever have before? You know, that like kind of complete freedom where you just go in mm -hmm. there and you, you let it go. What, what was that like? Um, like you said, like a lot of people call it the, the ultimate end game. So there's nothing after the <laughs> a fight is the end game, you know? Um, but yeah, like you said, when, when I switched um, uh, from judo, it was really special to fight uh, amateur. So amateur, there's still a little bit more uh, rule. So it's not all everything, but still to, like when you do judo, you know you can fight, but you don't know if you can really fight, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, am I going to fight in the street just to test my judo? No, I won't. Like, uh, I won't. And I think you got, like, I mean, when I was younger, I had some uh, opportunity to do it, but I was kind of like stressed, kind of uh, um, uh, maybe uh, scared a little bit, you know, to fight in the street. But when you, you start doing MMA and you have all this, uh, uh, this, this liberty and then you really know, I think there, there's something, like you said, truth about that. And there's something about your... Um, uh, how you see yourself you know i was always someone that didn't really like look for any trouble didn't look for um, if i saw something wrong happening in front of me i was not necessarily the guy that's gonna say hey don't don't do that mm -hmm. but when you when you fought when i fought for the first time after that um i was really sure about myself you know i, I like uh, i got elevated uh, from that fight like it really it it changed me um so i think it, it was uh, maybe an evolution with the with us uh with the sport uh, 
uh, when I was uh, in judo too, I was a little bit uh, a bully, you know, in the um, in school at school. I was a little bit of a bully, and like when I started MMA, I was like, man, I can't believe I was, I was this fucking guy, and like I understood that it was because I, I had some self. Uh, 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 how do you say that? Like, um, like insecurity, maybe? Insecurity. It was exactly the word I was looking for. So I was a little bit insecure, but with MMA, everything changed. Uh, I think it's the freedom, maybe, of it. Maybe it's the, uh, like you said, the truth. You, you finally know the, the truth about fighting, uh, about the end game. And um, I think that's how it changed me. I think it changed me for to be a, a better person. Uh, like to know uh, to to train MMA and to to fight. Yeah, you know it's. I've spent a decent amount of time in in Muay Thai gyms, you know, and and never had a fight, but lots of sparring. And I talked to you know uh, lots of professional fighters that have passed through the gym to train and stuff. And you know, one of the things that's there's two things. One is that what you were just describing, like there's a humility. I mean training that hard and getting your ass kicked and realizing, because I think a lot of guys, especially, even though you're insecure and maybe because of the insecurity, you kind of walk around with this idea in the back of your head, like, well, if I needed to, like I could mm -hmm. take care of myself. And the reality is, is no, like that's, that's pretty much an illusion. If you come up against someone who's stronger, faster, tougher, more technical, whatever, you're going to get your ass kicked. And I feel like, you know, in the gym, you just get humbled a lot, right? In order to learn jujitsu, mm -hmm. in order to learn striking, you need to get beat up a lot. You need to get choked a lot. You need to get hit a lot. And that instills a sense of humility that grounds you in like a, a more truthful approximation of who you are and where you're at. And then that's the basis on which you build who you are, right? And you improve. And uh, like, it's such an amazing... Uh, I have so much respect for fighters that continue to go into the gym day after day, because a lot of people kind of forget when they watch those fights on the TV, like the learning process for that fighter was likely an emotional roller coaster, right? Because you, when you get your ass handed to you in the gym, you're not like, Oh, I can't wait to go back to that. You're like, fuck mm -hmm. man. Like that sucked, you know? And then you go home and you sit on the couch and you're, everything is sore and you're injured for a while or whatever. And you're like, Am I really going to go back to that? And fighters are the ones that say, yeah, I'm going to go back to that because I think there's something to be gained there. You know, like fighting is, in my opinion, it's almost like a, a spiritual journey as well as like a physical and a competitive and a, and a career journey. And I'd love to get your, you know, kind of opinion on, on that notion. Yeah. I think you, what you say, it's a, it's true. And, um, like you said, the, the sport is so unforgiving, you know? You can train three months, four months, five months, do a fight, lose in 30 seconds because you did a little mistake, you know? It's mm -hmm. so unforgiving. My last fight, um, I was doing well. I was better than the guy. I was winning on the feet. I was winning everywhere. And then he punched me one time and he dropped me. The fight could have been done there. Yeah, like I was able to uh, recuperate and take him down, and uh, I finally got one decision. But like I was basically better than the guy everywhere. But that one punch could have changed everything. So I think it's the fact too that you understand that even though you train um, 
for a long time, like a little thing can change everything. Yeah. And uh, I think that that can uh, like uh, uh, you can see that in in the in life too. You know, it's a it's a kind of the same thing. And sometimes you don't even do a mistake. It's not because you did a mistake that you get punched. I mean, uh, our capacity have limits. You know, like mm -hmm. everybody gonna get punched. Even if you're the best in the world, uh, you're gonna get punched. Uh, Miwator get punched, you know. And um, but in MMA, what what is different? It's one punch can change any everything. In boxing, is the same thing. But still, you're gonna have ten seconds to get up. So the mm -hmm. the lucky part is a little bit less. Yeah. Um. So I think it's something you're gonna understand really, um, really early. And like you said, when you go for the first time uh, at the gym, if you don't have any experience with martial art, you're gonna get your ass kicked. You can be big. You can be strong. You can be. Uh, the most athletic guy uh, since you're young. Who cares? Jiu-Jitsu don't care. Motai yeah. don't care. You're going to get like your ass kicked. And uh, personally, like I was lucky because I did freaking 10 years of judo before uh, starting uh, Jiu-Jitsu and everything. So I had uh, the edge. But like I saw those guys uh, that came in the in the gym and you saw the, you see the evolution, you know, how they, they change. They come in the gym yeah, I fought uh, 10 times in a the, in the bar, 10 KO. Okay, <laughs> like, I'm, I think, like, how long? Like, two years to go to the UFC? Like, man, do, do one training, and then we, we, maybe we can talk, you know? And then everything is the same thing. Like, they think it's, it's really fast that, uh, that, I don't know, maybe God give them, like, this power that they, they can knock out everybody and they can get to the UFC easily. But now, then they see that they're getting their ass kicked by everybody, every girls, every little man, everybody, you know, in the in the gym. And then they understand, oh, okay, it's not just it's not just muscle, you know, it's uh, it's yeah. the brain too. Um, so I think it changed a lot of people to do uh, to to do MMA. And like you said, um, a lot of people like don't understand. Um, like how dangerous it is to uh, to fight in the street, and like for me, that's that's why I was always I'm always scared. Like I had, I think I had one fight since I'm, I did MMA uh, uh, on the street, and I was freaking scared. And the the guy was like not really scary, <laughs> but I was still scared. And um, I can't believe those people like don't understand how weak uh, human beings are. Like we're really, really weak. Like we are not like a. Uh, so it's it's it always amazed me. Yeah, yeah, man. I you know, I avoid street fighting at all costs. Like you know, I've been traveling for a decade, and I've been in South America and Asia and pretty much everywhere. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're out with a big group of people, and there's drinking, and you go to the bar district and all that stuff. And there's always stuff that that pops off, and. My immediate reaction, like when something starts happening, you know, like people crowd around, I just go the opposite direction every time because I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. Like I want to see people like yourself fight. I want to see professionals who use, who, who are well-conditioned and trained and technique. And I, like, I want to see the chess match. I don't want to see someone 
two drunken idiots winging punches and one fall down and hit their head on the curb and really bad shit happen, right? I mean, it's, it's so dangerous. Like you said, people don't realize how fragile we really are, you know? So in a sanctioned environment, it, it's even dangerous, but at least it's more controlled. So, you know, I, I totally agree with that, you know, w- with why you would fear something like, you know, because people might see, might think it's like a, a contradictory, like, well, this guy's a professional fighter and he's afraid of fighting mm-hmm. in the street, but it's like, it's totally different domains, you know? And that's one of the reasons why I, when I go to a place, the first thing I seek out is a gym, like a, like an MMA or Muay Thai or whatever gym is because I love like you always get a few assholes in a gym. Maybe they're like the top dog or maybe they're new or whatever, but by and large, like you go to the gym and people are great. They're humble. They're helpful. They're friendly because they've been humbled so many times to get to where they're at in, in the pecking order. Right. Or, or with their skills, you know, like I met, um, it's Douglas Lima fights for Bellator, mm-hmm. right? Douglas yeah. and Diego, the brothers, right? Uh, anyways, they, they stopped by the gym one day with their crew, um, you know, Brazilian crew, and I think members of their family, the loveliest people you could ever meet, you know, just extremely friendly. And that's most often the case. And I think that's because you get humbled so many times and you get grounded in the truth of, of what you're about. Because so often this arrogance and this ego behavior is based on what you said earlier is how the insecurity you feel causes you to create a, a false perception of who you are. And then that's what you mm-hmm. express out into the world. And that, you know, that's all the bullshit behavior that we often see. And fighters, I just think are grounded in a, in a more truthful notion of who they are. And then, you know, the, the last thing, which I, again, I'd love to get your take on is what, you know, people, sometimes I'm sitting around with friends that aren't really haven't have never trained in that kind of stuff. And fighters, would go through a long like three round five round war down to a decision and then they'll hug each other afterwards and they'll be very affectionate and they'll be smiling and that kind of stuff and people won't like they're like man they just fought for 25 minutes what the hell are they doing and you know like to me it seems like you get to know someone it's like that that quote from that uh that guy that protects the oracle in the matrix right you never really know someone until Mm. you fight them and, you know, when, when you when you go through 25 minutes or 15 minutes, you know how hard you're working, you know how much your heart is pumping, you know how much pain you're having to push through, you know how much like emotional regulation you're having to do to stay calm and focused in the moment. And that other person that you're standing across from that's meeting you in the same way is doing the exact same thing. And so there's a, I feel like that generates a tremendous amount of respect after the fact, because you're like, wow, motherfucker, like, I know what you just went through, and you know what I just went through. And that's a bonding experience in, in many ways, as, as like, as counterintuitive as it might seem. So has that been the case for you? You Because I know you've, you've, you've uh, well, you've never been stopped, right? So you've gone to a lot of decisions in your career. Has that been the case for you after you finish off with a fight? Like, do you have that unique relationship with people that you fought? Yeah, but I mean, there's always the exception. I, I never, like, I never had an opponent that uh, was uh, uh, unnice after a fight. But like you said, uh, it's true. I mean, if I was not fighting these guys, he would probably be one of my best friends and I would be ready to fight for him, you know? Um, so we are really like alike and we love the same thing. We try to do the same thing to each other. <laughs> and uh, I mean, like you said, it's, 
like it's hard to explain, but it's there's something deep in uh, in fighting some someone else. Uh, I know the guy I have a lot to lose. I know he, he know that I have a lot to lose. If um, if I lose, I'm uh, I miss uh, half of my paycheck. If he lose, the same thing. He's gonna have family that look at the fight and gonna be sad if he lose. Same thing for me. He may have a daughter. I have a daughter. You know, a girlfriend. A anything. We we know how much we uh, we put on the line every fight and i think uh, that like he deserved my respect because of that you know yeah 100% and you know the, the that's the the part that maybe gets missed that people that don't follow things or don't train is like again the the emotional development that occurs as a result of being a fighter not just because of that like you said and like one punch that you don't see ends your night and half the paycheck and all the things you just mentioned. But I also like when you start uh, striking, at least for me, and especially for headshots in particular, like it's not so much the pain that is the, the, the thing that you have to, to manage. It's the frustration, at least, you know, like that's always the thing for me. It's like when you get hit by it, like, like, let's say a headshot that you don't see coming, like maybe you're a bit discombobulated for a second, but it's like I, my emotional response is always the frustration. And I'm so, I, I, again, I admire fighters so much that like they have to go into the fire to get off themselves, right. To, to execute mm -hmm. their game. And they have to like have no reaction to how they get tagged or hit as a result of doing that. Like, and it's immediate emotional regulation. And I think you do that enough and you become, a calmer, a far more like emotionally stable individual, I guess, you know, which again is why I think fighters are, you know, kind of good people to hang around. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's true. And like you said, like for you, it's uh, anger that you, uh, that you feel when you get punched, but some people is going to be, uh, uh, they're going to be more scared, but like any emotion you have, when you get punched, you're going to get better at this, you know? Right. Uh, so yeah, I think it's interesting what you what you just said. What uh, you know? How do you see your career right now? You're 32, right? Uh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, like, I'm 32. I mean, you could make the case that that's prime, but it would be like on the 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 back end of prime. Like, how are you seeing your fight career, and what have your like? What are your objectives? All that kind of stuff. Um, I would say one or two more years for me. And I think I'm gonna be done. Uh, uh, well, you were talking about the head blow, and um, for sure, for sure, the aftermatch uh, is a little bit scary for me. Um, I don't get punched a lot, but uh, uh, still, I don't want to uh, to have too much uh, aftermatch um, because we have to understand that uh, martial artists, what they do is they put their health on the line. Uh, to entertain you know um, it's like a, it's like just a normal artist let's say a normal artist just paint a really nice uh, uh, a really nice thing took him maybe I don't know a month and then they kind of burn it after uh, um, after uh, doing it you know it's mm. a, so you you sacrifice your time uh, just for the entertainment of others and 
let's face it, we we don't get paid <laughs> too much. Right. Uh, so we so we I think we do it for uh, uh, because of passion, and we do it uh, for sure because of money, and we do it for the uh, uh, how do you say that statue, um, like how people see you. Yeah, notoriety, fame, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. I think that's the uh, the three uh, main thing why we do it. Uh, but like for me, I kind of start liking my anonymity, and I um, uh, I have a daughter, so I, I want to <laughs> to have more time with her. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I would say two more years. My goal would be for sure to win the the tournament. Uh, and just retire. But if if I don't retire after that, I can pick another job. I mean, uh, I think I think I, I'm gonna find something else that I really like. Uh, that would be uh, easy for me. Are you like? Do you have other interests currently, or is it something you're gonna figure out after your fight career? Um, not really. And I, I'm not the kind of guy um, that try to. Uh, everybody during all my life told me you have to you need a plan uh, plan e and a plan b right right but me it's like completely the opposite like if you do that you're gonna put half uh half your energy on one and half on the other one which is not good you know you won't be great at anything uh for sure there's an exception like i, I won't say that there's no edge section for so for me right now what i'm doing it's uh training a lot uh, studying a lot for um, uh, for MMA, but when I have like a little bit of uh, of time, uh, I study a little bit of Bitcoin. I study, uh, I play a little bit video game with my my dollar. You know, I find something uh, something else that I can just go away from the fighting. Because if you were too obsessed with fighting too, it's not great. It's not good. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I, I don't have a plan B right now and I really don't know what's going to, what's going to happen in the next uh, couple of years, you know, uh, especially yeah, think, with everything's happening. <laughs> wow. Well, fuck man. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I agree with your position, right? Like you, you won't know how far you can take something unless you commit 100% to it, right? If you got mm -hmm. one leg in and one leg out, or if you're working on a, a hedge or a safety net, then you might leave something on the table in the primary domain, you know? So I, mm -hmm. I respect that approach. Uh, you, you brought up Bitcoin. What's the, the rabbit hole story for you? How did you first come across Bitcoin, get interested, you know, all that jazz? Do you know the, the story? No, I don't. Uh, I think you're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, actually. But, uh, okay, the first time... The really first time I heard about it was my coach, Firaz Zabi, um, who, uh, who talked about Bitcoin at the, the gym. It was in uh, uh, 2017, just, be just before the crash. Um, so uh, he didn't tell me to, uh, to buy Bitcoin. He actually physically forced me to buy Bitcoin <laughs> because he had like an ATM in the, uh, at the gym. So uh, anyway, he pushed me like, Put your money, okay. I put my money. I think I bought maybe one hundred bucks of uh, of uh, of Bitcoin at like I don't know, I don't remember, like or something. Uh, I think it was more than that. I think it was seventeen. <laughs> 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 but still, like at that point, I didn't understand Bitcoin at that point. 
I didn't understand the philosophy behind it, but in my mind, um, it was like the Uber of taxi, you know, money was a taxi and the Bitcoin was the Uber. So I, I didn't really understand, but like in my mind, um, uh, uh, technology always wins. Right. So like uh, the so disruption no, of money, that's how you saw it. Yeah. And yeah, I was yeah. not really thinking too much about it. Uh, Firas was a, a little bit like uh, explaining to me how it, uh, how it was uh, working. So uh, I, I started buying some little by li uh, little and then everything crashed. I was like, oh, oh shit, oh, that's possible. <laughs> what? <laughs> like really surprised. I, I didn't do my homework, you know? <laughs> So, um, but for some reason, I think it's truly not because I was smart. It's, uh, I think I was just lazy, uh, but I didn't sell it. Uh, I kept it, didn't sell it. And I actually continue to buy a little bit uh, Bitcoin um, like uh, every month, you know? Um, and even though at that point, I was not really understanding, uh, understanding it. Uh, there's some friend who was kind of explaining to me uh, how it was working uh, a little bit. So I, I knew a little bit more at that point. Uh, and it was in um, 20, uh, just when uh, COVID started, maybe 2020, I think it was 2020. Um, there are some guys uh, who has for us some training partner. Uh, so the guy is like, oh, I need training partners for uh, jujitsu because I cannot uh, train uh, where I am right now. Um, so uh, Ferris said, oh, like how many guys do you need? It's like, oh, maybe like five or six guys. Uh, I think I would need five or six guys. Uh, I can fly them uh, uh, with a private jet and uh, everything. This is some, from, uh, some dude that just wants training partners? Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's like, oh, where are you? He's like, oh, Antigua. Yeah, you're Antigua, okay. Wow. Um, so. What a gangster. <laughs> I like it. What a gangster. <laughs> uh, you, like, you like him, eh? Well, I uh, don't know Roger who he Ver. is, but it's, it sounds it's cool. It's Roger Ver. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy, yeah. <laughs> you liked him. <laughs> I liked. <laughs> so yeah, Roger Ver is doing a lot of jujitsu. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, he was looking for some partner. And uh, at that point, I didn't know who uh, Roger was. You know, uh, uh, my friend was like, oh, it's pretty funny. We're going to see uh, Roger. My friend were more deep in the in the Bitcoin and in the crypto. So we were like, yeah, it's going to be fun to uh, to talk to him, to see uh, how uh, how you see uh, Bitcoin, you know? <laughs> and um, so we fly there, we, we train with him. And um, like he explained to me all the story uh, behind why he went to Bitcoin first. Um, uh, you know, he, he, I think he got arrested and then he left and then he heard about Bitcoin and then he said, oh, shit, yeah. And then he put all his, uh, his money in, uh, in Bitcoin. And I, like, I think it's the, it was the first time I really like touch a little bit uh, and talk to, uh, to a libertarian maybe. Yeah. 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 And um, it was really interesting to me. So uh, I got interested in, um, 
in Bitcoin because of that, uh, because of uh, Roger. And uh, I start listening to the podcast of, uh, uh, what is his name? Ah, God damn. Um, What's the most uh, the most popular podcast in the, in the, in Bitcoin? In two thousand seventeen, I mean, uh, yeah, it could have been Let's Talk Bitcoin. It could have been Peter McCormick, or it could have been Pomp. Some of those guys. Ah, uh, no, I wait. What's the fuck is his name? I don't remember his name. Anyway, he received Sailor. He received like you actually, but he received a lot of guy. And um, I think it was Bread. He received Bread Love at some point, and he uh, uh, Breed Love. Is that yeah. how you say his name? Mm-hmm. And um, Breedlove explained Bitcoin to him, and I, I, I like, I'm kind of a fucking like, uh, I'm an artist too, so I, I really like how Breedlove like said, like, oh, it's like a bad. No, Seller said it was a battery, but I like how Breedlove um, was explaining Bitcoin. Right. So I got deeper and deeper into uh, into uh, how it worked, uh, and. Um, the lucky thing it's I was I had time to to buy a little bit more before the the bull run, um, and I think that's how I yeah that's how I started uh, with Bitcoin. So when you're, I'm assuming you went down to Antigua to train with Roger, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if that was 17, I got to imagine he would have been shilling Bcash instead of Bitcoin, or was he so, not yeah. on, on that axe yet? No, it it was a uh, 2020, so it was recently. I, I oh. went to uh, to there. Oh right, right. right. Uh, COVID. So yeah, no, of course. But to tell you the truth, uh, when I was talking to him, he was not like all about uh, Bitcoin Cash. You know, he was more like <laughs> more open-minded. So he, he he was like, yeah, you know what, like. Uh, <laughs> I th- <laughs> like I, I thought that that was the way, and uh, you know, uh, things happen. And um, but like <laughs> for sure, like when he, when we were in Antigua, he was really trying to uh, to uh, uh, to push Bitcoin Cash to the the, the, the people over there. You know, they um, and uh, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> uh, the internet is not great over there, <laughs> so <laughs> that was kind of a problem. Uh, but you know, he was uh, giving like uh, some money to uh, some people. But like, I really, I really found him like uh, like a nice guy to hang out, and it he, he was pretty fun. Uh, and I didn't really uh, feel any push or anything uh, with uh, uh, with Bitcoin Cash. You know, actually, at that point, I didn't really understand um, Bitcoin that much. Uh, I still don't. But uh, less at that point, and it was interesting to uh, to see my friend have like kind of a debate with him uh, that they were more Bitcoin him Bitcoin Cash, and it was it was really really interesting. And I think that's uh, that's where with those conversations, that's where I, I got interested in uh, in Bitcoin. Right? How is his jujitsu game? It's pretty, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's strong. He's really, really strong. You know, you have the like he he doesn't like a, he doesn't look like a strong guy, but he's uh, he's pretty strong. <laughs> uh, like I, for sure. I knew... Go ahead. Yeah, yeah sorry. But I was just go. I was just gonna say I knew he'd been he'd been training for a while because you know like I I'd seen him mention it several years ago and stuff like that. So I knew he was he was very into it. Yeah, no, and uh, like for sure, like 
I mean, I'm a pro fighters. My friends were like really high level jiu-jitsu guys. So uh, he had some trouble with us, but <laughs> uh, like he got me. He actually got me uh, with a dart choke. I remember at some point. And uh, <laughs> it was like, you let me, you let me win. I was like, no, man, like I, I was going easy and then you got me. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, no, he's a, he's a, it's pretty, he's pretty good. He's a, it's a, like impressive, you know, like I said, yeah. he doesn't look like a strong guy, but he's really strong. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good to hear. You know, I, um, I have to imagine at some point the market will, uh, the, the truth of the market will impress itself upon Roger's opinion on Bcash and Bitcoin. It's almost astounding. It hasn't done so already, but there you go. Let's see what happens through the course of time. I do remember, maybe it was in 17, 18, something like that, that Rory came out with uh, a Bcash t-shirt on, like he had Bitcoin Cash logo on his t-shirt. Was to, it uh, Bitcoin Cash or was it the other one? Um, no, it was Bitcoin Cash. I'm a, I'm a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. And I and I was like, you know, I'm a fan of Rory, obviously, and he's had a great yeah. career. But I was like, oh no, what are you doing? Did you throw your uh, your drink at the? Well, I wasn't in the, the stadium. TV. I, 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 I what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, um, you know, everyone has to figure it out. For themselves you know and it's not a there's a lot of noise out there and it's not an easy thing to to suss out so you know it takes time for some people yeah um but i thought he had another uh, sponsor from uh, crypto too but i don't remember which was which it was uh, i'm not well, sure the, the the ufc's new apparel deal i think crypto.com paid them 180 million for 10 years Isn't that yeah crazy? yeah yeah, it's pretty great. It's pretty great that I guess the how fighters much, don't get it. Well, that's what I was gonna say. How much? <laughs> how much do fighters get from like the Reebok and the Venom deals and the the crypto like the sponsorships? Look, look, look. They, they said they would get one hundred percent, but I think right now they did the like they they saw how we 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 got and it's like not even close to that. Uh, I think it's for sure it's less than uh, fifty uh but it's really really not a lot and it's crazy because some people were making more money uh, with sponsors than sure. with uh, fighting uh so so yeah it's a uh, it was a, like i said it was a bit controversy when uh, when that happened um but you know it is money is money i guess yeah um are you you're in montreal yeah right so you've you've presumably met some of the Bitcoin bull guys and, you know, they've talked yeah. to you about Bitcoin and hung out with them. How, how did that whole thing come together? Um, how did that come together? I think I asked it for a, for a sponsor. I know it's, I, I did my, um, I did a thread on Twitter about uh, getting a QR code on my, on my shirt and was saying in the thread that, uh, you know, in the future, what would be great. It's uh, uh, to have a QR code so people can tip me and uh, have the QR code sponsored. So there is a like there is more ways for me to uh, to make money. Um, and I think they were interested uh, in that in that uh, in that idea. And uh, that's how I I got in contact with uh, I think it was Guillaume uh, uh, that I talked to. A uh, great guy. And um, that's it. We we met like in the 
on a rooftop. We hang out for maybe uh, uh, three, four hours. We didn't talk about uh, the sponsor. And then at the end, they were like, yeah, we are interested to uh, sponsor you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that, that's how it, it went. And um, I think like in PFL, you have two spots. And one spot in the in front and the, the spot in the back. And uh, my front spot right now, it's for my uh, QR code. Um, so um, they sponsor my QR code. And then I ask people like, oh, if anybody else want to sponsor my, uh, my back spot, uh, like you just text me and they said, oh, we're going to take both of them. Uh, so uh, a bull Bitcoin took both of my, uh, my spot. And I think they, uh, I think they were happy. Uh, and it's crazy how the community of Bitcoin is, uh, is huge because, you know, I'm not the biggest, the biggest name in the, on, uh, on PFL. I mean, the, the night that, uh, that I fought, Rory fought in the main event and I was seeing the stats of, uh, uh, of the way in and i was the one with the most view like <laughs> like four times like the one that rory has i was like holy shit yeah okay the <laughs> the the, 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 the cyber hornets yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly like i was really really impressed it was a uh, was interesting uh but basically that's how i i got in contact with uh, uh with bull bitcoin i was doing like I was buying my uh, my Bitcoin uh, with them for uh, maybe uh, uh, three years, uh, yes. so uh, so I knew them, um, uh, not personally, but I knew the the company. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was kind of nice to uh, to when they they asked me uh, to uh, to sponsor me. Uh, I didn't. I talked a little bit with Francis, uh, but not too much. Um, but yeah, I met uh, I met all the the team uh, uh, in Montreal. Yeah, I think you guys would get on pretty well. I I loved it when I saw the the collaboration because, like I said at the beginning, like I do see a lot of parallels between Bitcoin and fighting. You know, if for no other reason than I just see them both that both as these like representations of deep truth or like bare truth, right? You, there's no faking it in the in the cage. Right. Like you, you, yeah, you can't fake it. I mean, what you are is what you are and you get to see what that is in comparison to another person and Bitcoin propagates truth and is a base layer of truth on which we can build a, you know, more prosperous, more peaceful uh, society and culture and civilization. And I like, and also, you know, I, there seems to be this trend in Bitcoin where because of that, and because of the contrast with like the super, soft fiat culture that we have globally today you know a, a lot of bitcoiners i think are starting to realize the value in or start exploring different ways that they can become more independent right and so that means more independent financially energetically with their their home their food but also with their bodies right because not being physically strong or capable is a vulnerability and as a result you you have to in society today that creates a dependency, right? It creates a dependency on whatever, somebody else, police, state, government, whatever. But when you take more responsibility for, or I think, let's put it this way, I think Bitcoin causes a trend where people look at all different areas of their life and they want to take more responsibility for all of them, for their health, for their finances, for their future, for their family, for all that stuff. And being more physically capable, I think is a part of that. 
And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we continue to see a trend where, you know, well, we see a trend where Bitcoiners kind of are starting to focus on their health more. And maybe right now it's early days, so they're eating better, lots of steak, you know, working out, lifting weights. But I could easily see that, you know, kind of trickle or transfer into more Bitcoiners uh, leaning towards the martial arts to 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 kind of shore up that vulnerability that they feel that is their physical strength and capability, you know? So I think for that reason, and, and, you know, Bulls just such a rad Bitcoin company, the, even amongst Bitcoin companies that I thought when I saw the, the collaboration, I thought like, this is perfect, you know? So I'm, I'm mm -hmm. glad to hear it, it, it's going well. And it's, it's fun because like more and more uh, fighters ask me about, uh, about that too, uh, about the QR code. So I think there is a, uh, like in, in TriStar where I train, uh, most of the guy know what's up with Bitcoin. Uh, I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, like those people know more than, than I do, you know? Um, and uh, I, I think it's interesting to see like why people from jujitsu, people from uh, uh, MMA, from uh, Motai like Bitcoin like, like this. I think it's, uh, I would like to, uh, to know the explanation, you know? Why do you, I think? Why it's, do you think? Um, I think it's, uh, I think there's a lot, uh, maybe to do with, um, those parts being a little bit, um, like you have to learn a lot in those parts, you know, um, you know, it's like in hockey player, normally there is like a straight way to get a good, uh, uh, to be a good hockey player, this technique, this technique, this, get the, this technique. In jujitsu, in, uh, in MMA, the good technique change every freaking years. So you have to evolve. You have mm -hmm. to always evolve. And um, you have to be really passionate about uh, MMA and uh, Jiu-Jitsu and you have to learn a lot. And so I think people, people uh, are ready to learn new things from other stuff too. So uh, let's say from finance, you know, um, uh, there, there was this technique, um, uh, the il-hook. Il-hook in, uh, in Jiu-Jitsu, um, if you do that, maybe seven years ago, people would laugh at you. Coaches would like scream at you. Um, everybody would tell you it's, it's basically shit, you know? But then one coach, John Danar, like make it that, not, not only that the technique it was great, he showed that to, the, to their athlete, but their athlete destroyed everybody in jujitsu. So when people like change the mind of everybody, and I think it's uh, it's interesting to see uh, how the two can compare themselves uh, with Bitcoin. I think it's uh, kind of the the same thing. I think people in uh, Jiu Jitsu and MMA are ready to learn new things. The the new uh, uh, maybe the underdog, like maybe that's gonna beat like the uh, the fiat, you know. Uh, yeah. So they learn about that a little bit, and for sure, I think. Um, uh, in MMA and uh, in Jiu-Jitsu, uh, it's part that we don't make a lot of money. So uh, people are ready to just live with the bare minimum, but put their money uh, somewhere that maybe when they're going to 
like uh, stop doing jiu-jitsu they are oh, they're gonna have more you know i think that's a, that could be a, another explanation yeah um, or maybe we are just crazy i don't know <laughs> there's probably a little bit of that too you know i've actually never <laughs> never thought about it but another one could be you know, what I find is that Bitcoin frees up a lot of my mental capacity, right? Because I don't have to worry about my future savings. I don't have to worry about my money inflating. I don't have to worry about managing a portfolio of stocks and doing all these valuations. I know that I siphon my money into Bitcoin and I have a high degree of confidence of what that's going to be in the future, right? Mm -hmm. in, in, the, in terms of how safe and secure it's going to be the foundation that's going to provide me. And that means I can put all my attention and focus on something else. I'm going to worry about like uh, financial insecurity. Of course, I still want to increase my financial insecurity, but I don't have to manage it as much as, like in the fiat world, everything becomes financialized, right? So in order to just save money, you have to be further out on the risk spectrum than ever before. So you have to be in stocks and other investments if you want to save money, because if you're just holding cash, you're getting fucking destroyed, right? Mm -hmm. And so what I find is that like this kind of concept of Bitcoin Zen, where you dollar cost average, you know, you accumulate slowly and you don't have to worry about it. You can focus your attention on what's mo more meaningful to you, right? So whether that's, and you know, because MMA is such a crucible, because like you said, there's so many different techniques and the techniques are evolving so often that you can focus exclusively on that, you know? And I, and I, I think another parallel that's interesting, you brought up with the, the heel hooks, like, I don't know, maybe like when I think heel hooks, or maybe knee bars, but I think of Paula Harris and Ryan Hall, right? They, they mm -hmm. both like really use that technique a lot and they popularize it, right? Or another example would be calf kicks over the last few years, right? Like yeah, true. five, 10 yeah. years ago, nobody using that technique. Now it's devastating, right? Like if, it, if it's there, it's going to be chewed up and people can win fights off of that technique. And it's almost because of that, because of the intensity of the circumstance, when something emerges that's more quote unquote truthful, right? Like, oh, that technique works in reality. It gets adopted very quickly and then it spreads, right? So martial arts, and I think there's a Bruce Lee quote here somewhere, but like, you know, use what is useful, discard what is not and add what's uniquely your own. And that's kind of like the whole process of the evolution of martial arts, right? It's a very like, uh, ferocious process of integrating new information that actually works and again i see a parallel in bitcoin like what all we're doing on, on twitter all the time all the cyber hornets all the bitcoin fanatics we're all just throwing out ideas into the mix right breed love and sailor and all the great writers and thinkers that there are and we're like something somehow resonates and sticks it's like wow that that angle or that perspective or that insight that seems true let's keep that let's get rid of the other fluff and then over time, we're like condensing further and further and further what this thing is, like the truth of this thing. We're getting a better understanding of it. And I, I, I see a parallel between that process happening in and around Bitcoin and in and around, you know, martial arts technique and fighting generally. Right. So I, maybe that's a reason why uh, another reason why, you know, fighters gravitate towards Bitcoin. I think there's probably a shitload of reasons, to be honest, you know, because <laughs> yeah, the other so. thing is, is like fighters are already used to being somewhat unconventional, right? Like being a professional fighter is a fucking ridiculous career move that very few people make, right? Mm -hmm. But if, if, you, if you already accept the fact that you're the type of person that makes unconventional decisions and sees maybe the world a little bit differently, then the unconventional decision that is 
integrate understanding integrating and using bitcoin as your savings technology as your as your unit of account internally is a is a smaller step perhaps because you're already used to kind of going against the grain you know mm. yeah i think you're right actually <laughs> but for sure there's a there's a lot there's more uh, there's a lot more uh, <laughs> who's, explanation who's the, who's the biggest uh, bitcoin fanatic at tristar is it for us um no it's it's more mostly a jiu-jitsu guy um but like you wouldn't know the wouldn't know the name uh, i would like to say gsp but uh, it's not <laughs> is gsp in the bitcoin i think i've no, heard him talk not. about crypto before but it's always been you think a so bit cring- i think so but like you know kind of the the cringy like uh promoting the 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 shitcoin casino stuff i, I shouldn't say that because i'm not 100 uh, sure yeah. but yeah it might be the case it might be the case i, I remember he he posted a thing about uh bitcoin atm um oh, okay. well that that wouldn't be so bad uh but other than that i don't remember to tell you the truth um but yeah no this is mostly a jiu-jitsu guy actually some jiu-jitsu guy like uh invest in bitcoin like a uh, really early and they retired and that now they do jujitsu for for life you know for their Sounds life awesome. so <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty awesome and they they are my age so <laughs> yeah that's good. i mean have a have a bunch of a bunch of sats in the in cold storage and just do what the hell you want every day it sounds, sounds yeah. pretty good yeah um what's going man so let's shift this a little bit to uh, canada because i see i left in may I, I've been living abroad for 10 years, but I got stuck there during COVID and I left in May and I have no intention of coming back um, because I, I look at the news there every day and yeah, I know the world is crazy, but Canada is like up there with Australia at the top of the crazy list. Uh, what's it like for you there these days and you know, what's going on? Well, these days are not too, too bad, but like, uh, uh, last winter it was kind of crazy. I was not allowed to train. I was not allowed to go out uh, after eight. Um, uh, so it's it was you just insane. So that coming in to Quebec. Like yeah, now, pa- right? like <laughs> vaccine passport. Uh, they are there actually. Uh, if you want to go uh, anywhere uh, to eat food or to uh, take it's implemented coffee. now. Yeah, it is. Uh, if you want to train, actually, you you need a passport too. Um, so yeah, so, that's so crazy. So let me let me ask you this, and without uh, I don't want to violate your privacy. So let me just ask you this: for people that choose not to get the vaccine and therefore mm-hmm. maybe don't have a passport, maybe fighters, maybe just normal people, what what happens to those people? How do they get by? they don't <laughs> they just don't, don't they don't train they don't go to restaurants oh okay so i guess if you're not uh, vaccinated and you want to train uh you cannot train with other people so you have to do private training but even that i think it's not even uh, legit um there are some restaurants who said that they they won't do anything with the passport i think that's gonna last a, a week or two um are they just gonna take out their uh, their table 
but it's pretty hard to know if people are okay with uh, uh, with the passport here in Quebec because of uh, the news that uh, uh, 80% of uh, Quebecers are okay with the passport. So we we really don't know who's okay with it, uh, who's not okay. Uh, the what I see uh, in my perspective is uh, since I'm in sport and uh, I'm a little bit with uh, with artists too. Uh, a lot of people in the um, in sport are against uh, the passport, um, and a lot of artists are more for the passport. Hmm. Uh, so that, I think there is a, like, uh, and like I mean, I like to talk to to both because I want to see like both both side of of it. Um, I think the passport it's it's crazy in my mind. Uh, I think he at first I think he's gonna fail. I think it's gonna be a fucking waste of money. Um, but it can be potentially like be uh, dangerous, you know. Yeah, that's that's what that's that's what I think. I, I don't see the really the utility and um, it, in a li- it's a little bit crazy too to uh, to see all the uh, the media right now in uh, in Quebec and. It, it's scary, you know, because they already like uh, point finger at uh, all the unvaccinated for the fourth, the uh, the fourth wave. And I'm like, yeah. like, how can you be so selfish? You know, how can you like take everything from them? Just let the only thing they can do right now is probably like fucking buy a rope, you know, and then even that. Like you're gonna say it's their fault because there's a fourth wave. Like, how can you be li- like that selfish? Yeah, you know? and, and that's stupid because, <laughs> like, you know, the 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 data or the logic does not support a vaccine passport. You know, it's just mm. it's just a completely asinine approach to what's happening here. You know, and it's interesting that you say kind of more, more fighters are for and artists are against and like no disrespect to the artists i love art and all that kind of stuff but like no i do too i did but you could generally characterize uh let's say the the personality of those two groups of people as one being kind of like more like strong and uh maybe a bit more yeah a bit stronger for lack of a better term you know the you know the meme where Mm -hmm. it's like strong men create good times good times weak men and bad times and the artists are probably on the other end of that spectrum, right? They're not quite as hard as the, the you know, the, the fighter character ca- category. And I wonder how much that influences your mm-hmm. philosophy or your approach to like thinking that you can be in control of your health and you're the one who's responsible and you're the one that should be making those decisions versus somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting, but I, I still think it's interesting to, uh, to see both points. And uh, what frustrates me the most, I think, in uh, in Quebec, well, well, there's a lot of things that frustrate me right now, but um, it's a quote from uh, from Legault uh, that said that there should be uh, no discussion, you know, uh, no debate, no debate uh, about yeah. that, uh, because it could raise uh, the voice of uh, of conspiracy theorists, and I think it, it's such a dangerous quote, and. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm really not proud uh, to be uh, uh, a Quebecer, to be a Canadian well, right now. Well, yeah, I was gonna say it's not just Quebec, man. I'm from Newfoundland originally, right? And okay. uh, they announced it yesterday 
And, you know, I, it's all a clown show to me at this point. I mean, we live in a crazy world. 99% of people are completely out of their minds. And so I watch the news and I look at some Facebook posts just to see how crazy things have gotten. Right. And like, I, I, I'm in Facebook comments for like one minute and I'm just like horrified and I got to get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, uh, you know, it's astounding to me that people don't see the danger in all of this, right? And that people don't have uh, an appreciation for history. Like when in history has segregating populations been a good thing? When has it turned out well? When has it not led to divisiveness and conflict and tragedy? Fucking never. That's when, you know? And like the fact that, and Trudeau is the same, man. I mean, like even as as weak as the journalists in Canada are and how little they they pressure and push these politicians to actually answer questions like every now and then they'll ask them like well what about the people who just don't want the vaccine they're not hesitant they've just decided for their own health for their own reasons that they don't want it and you know their only the only response that Trudeau can muster is like my message is it's time it's time to get the vaccine and you're putting the children in danger and you're doing this. Those people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Those people. I mean, how dangerous is that rhetoric? And now we went from two weeks of flatten the curve to you can't get on a fucking airplane. If, unless you do what we tell you to do, you know, if you're, is it, is it on that or I'm not even sure. I think that's what, what, that's what's coming. I think, September, okay. October uh, is okay. when they the way t- they said that's going to be implemented. But like, imagine you you're in, you're from Newfoundland, where I'm from. That means you got to get a because pr- it's it's commercial airlines, commercial boats, and and trains, right? So you got to get a private mm-hmm. boat to the mainland, then get a private car across the border to the U.S. to to get an international flight. I mean, so it it is but absolutely think about bananas. that too. Like right now, let's say the. They ban, uh, they ban you from taking the plane. You're not allowed to take the the road to go to the U.S. You're not allowed. You have to to have a a visa to uh, to pass f- to the U.S. Uh, by road. <laughs> like that? You mean that could happen? <laughs> no, no. It's right now. Like me, I can pass because I have a visa to fight in uh, for PFL. But if you don't, you don't need, have you don't a, need a, vi- a visa to be a tourist. Yeah, by plane. But if you go by road. You need a green card or a green visa. Card? Yeah, really? Yeah, you Are cannot you sure? pass by road. I'm sure. Like every time they, they're like, oh, like yeah, the reason why I know it's because last time when we went uh, by road with my coaches, we needed like we needed like a big uh, uh, letter saying, oh, okay, they are my coach. This is signed by PFL. Uh, that's why they uh, they can go with me. And that's and not it just took because some... you're you're working there. No, like no, working. it's really like you know you like, uh, and that's a big thing too in in uh, in Quebec. Uh, the U.S. can come uh, in the uh, in Quebec uh, by road, but Quebec cannot go uh, by road. Let's say to Vermont. Uh, so that's the reason why. Personally, what I did last fight is I I left from Quebec, uh, from Montreal, went to Vermont have uh, my visa so I can go in, uh, left uh, from Vermont to uh, uh, to Florida. Uh, so for me, I really like Vermont and I like the beer there. So uh, I didn't go for like two years. Um, so came back, bought some beer, stayed a little bit in Vermont uh, and then left. But yeah, you're not, you're not allowed to go to, uh, let's say, Vermont by road. 
I wonder, is that a Quebec thing or a Canada thing? I don't know. I, I, I never heard <laughs> that before. But the punchline is like, of course, it's possible that 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 policy could be implemented, right? Like, if you don't have the pet the the vax pass, then you can't drive across the border, and then you're completely a prisoner of of your country if you don't do mm. what you're told to do. Mm. And I mean, I'm just I'm focused on Bitcoin because I feel that's the best way to resolve a lot of these issues that we're facing but it's still disheartening to see the news and talk to people at home and and have so few people understand the dangers in in this course like this road that is being pursued you know so are you you know you're for the time being you're you're hunkering down in in quebec in canada no no kind of impulse to relocate uh well i have a daughter uh, right. So it's it's a little bit complicated to uh, to do that. Uh, I'm separated. Um, ah, right, right. But if I like, I would have been gone for a long time. <laughs> 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 I would not live in Quebec right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I I don't know. Um, it's a, it is a what it is. You know. I'm gonna stay here. Maybe once she get older, but uh, right now it's not an option for me to uh, to move uh, elsewhere, uh, unless like I find a crazy way to do it. You know. Yeah. Do you do you talk much about Bitcoin to your friends and family and that kind of thing? I mean, obviously at the gym, the boys seem like they're into it. Yeah, my daughter is really, uh, she's really, no, I'm not talking to my daughter about <laughs> Bitcoin. Uh, it, it's funny because my dad, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know those people that say, ah, uh, oh, but I'm going to wait for the dip. <laughs> I'm going to wait for her. Right. And my dad is a little bit like this guy, you know. And um, wait the dip down to 500,000. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, <laughs> for maybe two years, I was like, yeah, maybe you should buy some, you know, maybe just a little bit. And uh, I was more, uh, um, trying to push him like in the, like maybe last two years. I was like, yeah, maybe now it's like, at, I think it was maybe at 15. I was like, yeah, maybe I think now it's, uh, it's, it's time. It's like, no, but you know, there was a crash and I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Right. And, um, like he told me, he like Bitcoin and everything. He don't, he don't like a little bit like me before. I, he doesn't doesn't really understand everything, but I, I, I'm explaining to him, and he kind of like now know more about it. And um, um, but it's still the same thing, you know. He's uh, waiting for the uh, the crash to twenty thousand right now. <laughs> uh, well, you never know, so but it could. It could he you might never be waiting, know. He might. He could be yeah. waiting a long time. <laughs> but he may be the smart guy too. <laughs> maybe, maybe you never know what's gonna happen. But I don't know. I twenty, I think, is pushing it. You know, we could definitely see another leg down, but 20, 20 might be pushing it. Mm. So we shall see. And I have a question for you. Uh, why do you think yesterday it uh, it went uh, how it went? I don't know. You know, I, I can only speculate. I don't care too much about the, the short-term price movements. I think maybe there's two potentials. Uh, one is just that people were, were buying the hype and selling the news, right? So people were buying leading up to the El Salvador news, and then mm. it dropped, and they sold their position because that hype had dissipated, perhaps. 
I tweeted out that like it seems like somebody is salty about the El Salvador news. So maybe there's some politically inspired whales that want to make El Salvador look bad and, and have the price tank on the first day. So that there's all this negative press about how irresponsible El Salvador is being. Uh, but who the fuck knows? You know, th th this is what Bitcoin does. It it pumps up, it, it dumps down and it slowly slogs forward in the direction up and to the right. And the best approach is not to try to time the market, is not to try to price predict, is just to use it as a savings account. And when you have excess capital that you don't need for, you know, six to 12 months or whatever year, however you approach it, then you put it in there for a better future, you know, for a, a more secure, a greater sense of security about the future. And that's what I try to impress upon, you know, friends and family. And like you said, like some, some have gotten it and it's so great when they do and others just can't like, there's some sort of a block that they, they, they can't see it. But mm. the, uh, the quote that stings for everybody is you get Bitcoin at the price you deserve. Right. And so if you bought in it, you know, 500 bucks, or if you buy in at 50 grand, or if you end up buying in at 500,000, that's justice, right? That's, that's the price you deserve because it was there the whole time and you had the option the whole time. And for whatever reason, it didn't happen. So I, you know, the, the thing is, is I think a lot of this COVID stuff and who knows what the next thing will be, will it be climate lockdowns or restrictions of some kind or whatever, but I think people fail to realize that this is the, the response to this is probably less so about the event in itself and more so about the fact that we're at the beginning of the end, in my opinion, of uh, the destruction of a global fiat currency system that's existed for the last 50 years. And so as a result of that degradation in the coordinating capacity of the money, another entity has to step in to try to keep things held together. And in an environment where we exist with massive centralized governments all over the world, those are the, the institutions that even people ask to step in. I mean, Canada is a perfect example of this. If there's ever any problem, Canadians look to the government to say, fix it. You know, the Canadians have very little faith in the, in the ability of free markets to generate solutions, which is in, you know, in my opinion, insane, because the free market generates the best solutions. But I think we'll continue to see these sorts of authoritarian measures, because that primary mechanism that holds things together, which is the money is, is falling apart now. And so, you know, I, uh, and I say, I say all that, because I think what that means is that people are going to need Bitcoin in, not too, in the not too distant future. And so that necessity is gonna mean that they look at it more seriously and they, they try to understand it better and they ultimately end up adopting it. And the sooner you see what, what's really going on in the big picture, maybe the sooner you'll be inspired to, to do that. But so many people don't act until they have to, right? Like things are normal, things are normal. And if things happen slowly enough, then people don't really pay attention. But, but again, like the, the last 18 months with COVID is, is a pretty great example. We started off with two weeks to flatten the curve. Now it's you can't travel unless you do what we tell you. I mean, that's a pretty big jump in just 18 months. But, you know, a lot of people don't see it that way and may not see it until this. Let's put it this way. The sooner you see it, the greater the, the benefit to you will be. 
in terms of people adopting Bitcoin for, for the reason that I've just outlined. And so I hope that more people do, because I think we have a, a better, freer uh, world as a result of people owning Bitcoin and Bitcoin growing. But it's it's very early days. And, you know, as much as it seems like Bitcoin's been around for a long time and the ecosystem is huge and there's more and more Bitcoiners all the time, it's so early, man. It's like we are in the 1% literally of, of mm -hmm. people that have adopted Bitcoin. And in reality, we're probably in, it's probably even smaller because like, I think that's roughly the number of people that own Bitcoin globally. But, you know, that could be like owning 10 bucks of Bitcoin, like people who are actually using it as their savings account is a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of the global population. And if it ends up ultimately being a huge percentage of the global population, like, you know, 80, 90, 100%, well, then, you know, this is still the first inning. But I think this decade is going to be very interesting. I think a lot of change will happen in this decade. Like, I think this decade will realize that we exist in a historical moment, you know, because I've been talking about this a, a bit more on the podcast lately, but I think we grew up in an era, like our parents' era and our era was relatively inactive, like geopolitically and in terms of change. You know, things were stable, things were good. And so we just kind of believe like, oh, the world just kind of stays the same. Sure, Netflix gets better and the iPhone gets better, but by and large, it's mm -hmm. the same. But you look back through history and like, you know, every hundred years or so, there's these big, massive changes, whether they be economic or political or, or cultural or religious or whatever. And I think people will wake up this decade to realize like, we're not in a post-historical era, like history still happens. And we're probably entering into a period where a lot of change happens in a very little amount of time. And that's going to be very disruptive for some but there's also going to be tremendous opportunity for others. And I think the Bitcoiners are probably the ones that see that and fall into the latter category. So it's going to be an interesting ride. Yeah. 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 I think you're right. Scary, but still interesting. <laughs> Scary, but exciting. Yeah. Um, well, Olivier, man, this has been a fun conversation. I, uh, I mean, if you got anything else uh, you want to add before we go, then by all means. But otherwise, uh, where can people get at you to learn more about you or to follow you or to contribute to, uh, you know, to your uh, sponsorship? I know Bull Bitcoin has thrown up a like a donation or a tip page. Tell, tell everyone where they can go. So, um, yeah, they can go on my Twitter. Uh, it's Ali Aubin, uh, hashtag Ali Aubin. Uh, so you can go there and I think I, I pinned uh, uh, the link to the, the page that Bull Bitcoin did, uh, which is really good uh, because last time I just put like a QR code and people were uh, allowed to, to send some tip if they liked my fight. Um, but it was with the, the Bitcoin network. Now they, they're using the Lightning or the, uh, or the Bitcoin. So it's, uh, it's really, really great what they did. So a big thank you to uh, Bull Bitcoin. Um, uh, what can I add? Uh, I remember the name of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> I was oh. listening to it. Yeah, it's uh, Preston. <laughs> oh, yeah, Preston Pitch. Yeah, yeah. Preston's great. The Investors Podcast. Yeah, no, I really liked it. And um, I think that's it. I think I won't uh, try to tell, to say everything uh, about uh, <laughs> my social media. I'm not really active these days, so. Yeah, uh, well, I'm sure just... people can find you through Twitter. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, My I have a long name, so it's uh, I'm that uh, I'm the only one. Yeah. Well, man, I I really appreciate the time, and uh, you know, I hope things go well. I hope you get another fight soon, and and that the training goes well. I, I can't wait to to watch you compete again sometime soon, hopefully. Yeah, thank you, John, uh, for uh, for having me. And um, next time I see Roger Vera, I, I'm gonna say that you say hello, okay? Uh... <laughs> sure, sure. Nothing wrong with hello. <laughs> All right, brother. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye.